0: Welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the Bad Batch episode, War Mantle. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, uh, one of my faithful co-hosts, the
1: altitudinous Kyle Avery. How's it going, Kyle? I'm doing good, Mike. I guess it's my turn back up on the uh, the Ferris wheel. I don't know when the last time we was we had all three of us on, but... <laughs> um, yeah, and next week I won't be on
0: because <laughs> I'm on vacation. Yeah, but the rotation uh, but, that's okay. wh- but I'm sure I'm glad that to be, glad be, on, to be on, on
1: for this one. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a good episode. I know uh, J- Joe. Joe sends his regrets, uh, but he couldn't make it for this one. But but he uh, he definitely was disappointed to not be on this one because War Mantle was a banger of an episode. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes! Um, yeah, well, uh, best episode of the season, maybe? Probably. It's up there. Um, it's definitely in my top three. Yeah, man. Just what a show. I, I certainly the best any computer animated television show has ever looked ever full stop better looking than a lot of CG movies. Um, Yeah, I won't won't argue with that. Um, Just wow. Uh, Amazing stuff. Um, And then on top of it, the story. uh, Finally, finally kind of catching up with this War Mantle stuff and seeing it um, realized, you know. Uh, And, dude, those (laughs) stormtroopers. Oh, Mm. baby. The stormtroopers, the Republic commandos, design.
1: the commandos, all, all of it. it, all of it.
0: We're gonna get into that in a minute, but first, uh, we're gonna jump into a little bit of news. Um, we actually have some this week. How exciting! Wait, um, what is it? The the titles for the last two episodes of the season? No, it's not. That's not what it is. Uh, they haven't announced that. They won't tell us. I uh, is it the announcement? Of a Lego Star Wars Halloween special, it is. Uh, Lego Star Wars, Terrifying Tales, is coming October first to Disney Plus. Uh, I and uh, here I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read off of uh, uh, StarWars.com here. After the events of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, Poe Dameron and BB-8 must make an emergency landing on the volcanic planet Mustafar, where they meet the greedy and conniving Grabala the Hutt. The crime boss has purchased Darth Vader's castle and is renovating it into the galaxy's first all-inclusive Sith-inspired luxury hotel. While waiting for his X-Wing to be repaired, Poe, BB-8, Grabala, and Dean, a plucky and courageous young boy who works as Grabala's mechanic, Venture deep into the mysterious castle with Vader's loyal servant, uh, v- v- Vani, v- Vane. I don't know. Uh, along the way, Vane shares three creepy stories linked to ancient artifacts and iconic villains from across all eras of Star Wars. As Vane, I I don't know how to sp- pronounce that, spins his tales and lures our heroes deeper. Into the shadowy underbelly of the castle, a sinister plan emerges. With the help of Dean Poe and BB-8, will have to face their fears, stop an ancient evil from rising, and escape to make it back to their friends. Uh, the voice cast includes Jake Green as Poe Dameron, Rafael Alejandro as Dean, Dana Snyder as of the Hut. Oh, so good to have him back. Uh, Tony Hale as I just <laughs> Tony Hale. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's going to be good. As Von, Vonnie Von a uh, Christian Slater as Ren. Unclear Kylo Ren or Ren Ren.
1: Oh, uh, like Ren from the, uh, from the comic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Trevor Duvall as Emperor Palpatine and Mary Elizabeth Glenn as N. I, or is it N one? I don't know. I can't tell with this font L eight, Uh, David Shane serves as writer and executive producer and the director is uh, Ken Cunningham, James uh, Wow, Josh Rimes, Jackie Lopez, Jill Wilford, Keith Malone, and Jason Cosler are executive producers. Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales was produced in collaboration with Atomic Cartoons. So you guys know I love Lego Star Wars just in general, both the toy and the, the media property. Um and uh I, I'm really looking forward to this. Having Grabala back is very exciting. Dana Snyder coming back is Grabala the Hut is something to look forward to if you are a fan of uh the Freemaker Adventures. But uh, writing staff from Freemaker Adventures not uh not uh on this. Although I don't know, maybe David David Shane may have worked on FreeMaker Adventures as well, but uh the executive producers uh uh uh, ron Corsio and oh goodness i can't remember right now um uh, they they uh they're not they're not part of this one um so we'll see we'll see Uh, uh, to me like they're kind of the comedic geniuses behind um freemaker adventures and why freemaker adventures is is so good but I, uh, I, but yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how this goes.
1: Yeah, what I'm, do you think, Gal?
0: Yeah, go ahead.
1: I mean, it sounds fun just from the description of it. I've never watched the Freemaker Adventures, so I'm not as familiar with. I don't know if there's any of these that are recurring characters or whatever. Um, it's funny. I think I think that is supposed to be an I in the droid name because I think it's supposed to be like N I L eight. And so it might be like a oh know, like a dark, a dark side it. droid or something like that yeah so got it got um it. but yeah I don't know I mean aside from the uh I mean when when I heard them turning Vader's castle into a luxury hotel I was like wait what you can't do that. Um, but getting to go through and explore kind of different ancient artifacts and hear stories about Sith Lords and stuff, that should be pretty fun. And I, like, I've never watched the Lego Star Wars, um, TV shows. I haven't watched like the, the Freemaker Adventures or the Yoda Chronicles or any of that stuff, but I've watched, I think all of the, um, you know, like the longer specials or mini movies or whatever. Um, and those are usually a good time. So yeah, I'll probably watch this on Disney plus and, uh, it'll probably be fun. Cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I think I think it, it's a, it it'll be worthwhile. If you haven't watched FreeMaker Adventures, it's all on Disney Plus and it is fantastic. Uh uh you're missing out. You are missing out. Uh yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough, but I'm really looking forward to this one. Um a Halloween special. They've been doing the the Tales from Vader's Castle comics with IDW. So this is Oh yeah. uh, this feels like it's kind of, it's in the same vein as that. I mean, obviously Vader's castle being, being part of it. Um, but even just like this sort of format of the, the three uh, uh, spooky tales sort of thing. Um, I just love the Sith inspired luxury hotel. Uh is always up to something. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. Uh, this will be fun. October 1st. I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, but sure. with that that I think we can we can jump into the actual episode but let's let's get into War Mantle. sounds good to me
1: what else you got give me more Hyperdrive's online cross there take the towers how many are there five of them That's Clone Force 99. This is Wrecker, Hunter, Echo, Tech,
0: and Crosshair. My name's Omega. The Clone Wars have ended. You can either adapt and survive, or die with the past. (laughs) Now, it's time for the Rebel Cells. Good soldiers follow orders. Episode recap. Episode 15 of Season 1 of The Bad Batch, War Mantle, directed by Stuart Lee, written by Damani Johnson. Uh, here we go. Let's get right into it. In the dead of night, on a forest world, a clone trooper runs. Pursu- pursuers led by ferocious massifs chase the soldier, eventually stunning and capturing him, but not before he activates a distress beacon. Rex contacts the Bad Batch. He's received a distress signal from a clone trooper and needs their help. He's an old friend, and he's in trouble, Rex says. I need you to get him out. Tech interprets the signal sent by CC 576. The signal is originating from Darrow, a terrestrial planet in the Outer Rim with no known settlements or installations. Hunter has reservations about going on a mission with so little intel. But they're already on. Oh, sorry, and they're already on a job for Sid, Echo, and Omega. However, feel a duty to assist Rex, and Hunter begrudgingly agrees. Uh, yeah, man. Like right off the bat in this episode, it's like <laughs> this opening. Um, the the uh, the. I mean, like, come on! There, it got to be. It's got to be clear homage to ET, right? The mm-hmm. the the flashlights through the, through the trees. Yeah. Um, Joel Aaron on, on Twitter the night before, or maybe like day of uh, like sort of the Thursday or whatever. I I tweeted uh, that um, the DP from, uh, from deer Hunter, the, the uh, Robert De Niro, Christopher Walken movie um, was a, was a big inspiration on this week's. Uh, lighting and, and, and that sort of thing. But, um, man, it's been so long since I've watched deer hunter, uh, the deer hunter, uh, uh, film school. <laughs> it's not, have you, what, did you, did you, did they subject you to that in film school? I don't think so. Yeah. It's one of those ones. It's like, it's a, it's a, an Academy award, best picture, uh, you know, but from the seventies and it's, um, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a. It's a very long movie. There's a yeah. lot going on in it. It is a classic, and it's a great film, but it's 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 rough. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. like it's not a fun movie to watch. It's yeah. But it's very uh, impactful, and and it's beautifully beautifully shot, um, especially for the time. So like I I kind of like I understand like sort of the the flat lighting aspects of it, which is very like mid seventies um i uh, which which obviously is the same time period as the original trilogy so that makes sense to me but this opening to me felt very spielberg as well um with that with the the those close up uh, like the extreme close ups of the running massifs and and the and i love the way that like we never get a clear shot of the stormtroopers because oh, yeah. we're saving
1: that reveal for later. Um, That's a good point. You know, just, I I don't think I ever really Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: I don't think I ever realized that in that opening scene. I just assumed that they were other clone troopers chasing him. Um and then yeah, we You can you full, can kind of if you're looking armor. really
0: close. You look really really close. Yeah, like you can start to to get the sense that like oh, these are not standard issue clone troopers. Hmm. There was uh, the the shoulder Pads in particular, the pauldrons on the shoulder, are are very different, right? So it was like, ooh, there's something going on here. Like, I I sort of unclear, but I mean, like, like on the last couple episodes, I've been saying basically like, oh, stormtroopers are coming by the end of the season. So I wasn't, I wasn't, I wouldn't say that I was surprised to have stormtroopers introduced in this episode, but I would say that I was. There were, it was still suspenseful the way that it was delivered, even though I kind of like, quote unquote, saw it coming. Right. I, this is one of my pet peeves with, with the way that people watch movies and TV is that they act like, um, being able to predict the twist means that it's a bad twist. Like when it's not a twist, it's a reveal in this one. Right. Yeah. Really not a twist. Um, but, but, I maintain that in good storytelling, you should know you should know before it happens. i I like in a, in a in a good movie, you should figure it out right about the same time that the character figures it out, um, and then it gets revealed. Like that's good pacing on a reveal Mm -hmm. and like the M night Shyamalan uh, JJ Abrams of it, mystery box. Nonsense has kind of like warped that Um, uh, and like prestige television, like, like uh, lost and game of Thrones and, and that sort of thing and walking dead has definitely made that whole component of storytelling, I think like way overblown it's not having a good twist being unpredictable, like a story being unpredictable means one of two things. It's either very, very clever or very, very poorly written because if something is unpredictable, uh, and then after the fact you look at it and you go, I really didn't see that coming. And also why would I Right? like, like, like here's a great example. Revealing that Ray is a Palpatine. That is, that is, it's very unpredictable. It's very unpredictable. Is it a good twist? No, because it doesn't make any sense. Right. There were, there are like three or four other bloodlines that could have been revealed in the, in rise of Skywalker, uh, that, that would have been satisfying because they were actually thematically set up previously. Um, That wasn't one of them. Uh, uh, And they had to completely like rewrite her character and have her behave in a way that wasn't consistent with where we left her in the previous movie in order to justify the fact that she's a Palpatine. Right. That's why, like, when we come back in Rise, she's like she's angry about everything. She's just like and every time Kylo Ren comes up, she just starts spitting acid (laughs) she's so Mm -hmm. mad at kylo ren and that's all supposed to be like oh see she's a palpatine and it's like that's a that's an example of 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 what i see as as a very poor reveal this is this is like a fantastic one because we as the audience i think figure it out before they figure it out certainly before it is revealed to uh to like on screen um and do they ever oh, really yeah, figure definitely. it out no greg gregor tells them right like he mm-hmm. just he just straight up tells them but uh yeah i i this opening the suspense of it and and like you said like that that very clear um to me at least uh et reference Feeling very Spielberg, with the shafts of light, you know, breaking through the trees, and and uh, and and like I said, the close-ups on the dogs and stuff. Uh, yeah, I fantastic. What an opening! What a great way to kick off an episode. And then and then cutting over to Bad Batch, and and getting this little bit of Rex, who is clearly in the midst of something else, mm-hmm. on another mission. Uh, maybe hopefully trying to to uh uh get to uh Cody to to deprogram him or something, you know?
1: Possibly uh, or or Wolf maybe.
0: It's probably Wolf. I mean like the fact that, that this episode features Gregor heavily. Um uh
1: yeah, yeah I would imagine that it'll be Wolf.
0: Did I think that, sorry go ahead. You go ahead Oh I was just
1: gonna say did you have any idea it was uh Gregor from the from the beginning um I, I,
0: I if if I were a better Clone Wars fan, I would know his designation, and would have right. caught on at that point. I didn't. Um, no, I not in, uh, not until he started talking. When he started talking, like when he was kind of uh, talking to the the stormtrooper, right? When he kind of says like, "Hey, you gotta let me out of here," or whatever, um, mm. and he kind of does that little huh, like his like his oh yeah laugh. yeah. I was like, "Oh, I'm pretty sure that's Gregor." <laughs>
1: um, yeah for and, for and, whatever and, reason,
0: I oh go ahead. Yeah, uh, and and seeing the 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 RCs everywhere, right? The Republic Commandos. It was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, oh, okay, that makes sense that it's Gregor and not Wolf, right? That like, we we'll, mm-hmm. like, like, like maybe we'll find out. I think what what they what they're using the captains for. Um, because they're clearly using the Republic commandos to train, not not necessarily to. Well, no, I guess yeah. Gregor was training, right? That's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is what they had yeah, said they, training was the plan before. Is like, oh, we're gonna like the elite clone troopers are gonna train the stormtroopers, and it's and it doesn't get more elite than than the Republic commandos, right? So yeah, when we first saw a couple of them, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I I. I you know we're going to get some some republic commando stuff in this one and then and then yeah when he made that first little laugh i was like i'm pretty sure that's gregor but i
1: like we're supposed to at that
0: point we're supposed to figure that out
1: yeah and for whatever reason i still didn't even catch on at that point cuz i was like when for whatever reason when rex said at the beginning when he asked the bad batch to go rescue him and says you know he's an old friend i'm thinking through all the clones we've seen rex with in clone wars because obviously yeah. we see uh, Rex and Gregor together later in Rebels, but we never see them together in Clone Wars. And so I'm trying to think through everybody in the 501st, like, you know, Kix and Jesse and Hardcase. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, who's still alive? And, you know, who did we not see die in Clone Wars? And could it be any of those guys still? And so, um, yeah, I think it wasn't until the moment when he's like, oh, well, in that case, you can call me Gregor. And I was like, hey, that's where we see him. So that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, why, why don't you keep going? All right, uh, on Camino, Crosshair reports into Admiral Rampart as he prepares for a mission and inquires about the Kaminoans. Keep an eye on them until the time is right, Rampart says. Elsewhere, Nala Se escorts a group of cadets uh, as they prepare to leave the facility, which is normally against protocol. She reassures them that they will still become soldiers. Meeting in private, Prime Minister Lama Su informs Nala Se that the Empire has canceled all of their contracts. I fear they will destroy us rather than allow this operation to continue," he says. "We must leave to ensure our survival." Um, so
0: we see we see young clone troopers, probably the last batch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I I would say probably around um, Omega's age, around the same age. I uh, and we also see some teenage clone troopers. A little bit harder to spot, but we do see that they're not they're not adult stormtroopers, but they're also not kid stormtrooper uh clone troopers, sorry. Uh going this is, is where this is gonna happen. This is gonna happen now. Now that we've got clone troopers <laughs> and stormtroopers in the same thing, it's gonna it's gonna get mixed up constantly. Um, but uh yeah, we we did see some some sort of like uh uh teenage or young adult uh uh i uh, django clones um which was cool i are you similarly under the impression that i man not to get too heavy on it I, I just 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 before I say anything, I am Jewish, so I'm going to say some stuff. And it's where my head goes, because uh because of the fact that I am Jewish. And when I see stories like this, it's 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 what I think of. Do you think that they're they're shipping these clones off to be executed like like gas chamber type stuff like that? They're moving them all off Camino in order to to to. I mean, like I, th- I think as the Empire and Rampart would refer to it, probably, uh, uh decommission them
1: or dispose of them, or something. Thinking See, I don't know. Hardware. I hardware that that wasn't where my head went. Only because it seemed to me, well, I don't know, because they did say something about Rampart said something about like load up the viable clones and ship them off world. Mm-hmm. So the Empire's got plans for some of the clones, but then when the when the young when the young kids were talking to Nala Say and she was telling them about right. you know get on the shuttle or whatever, it seemed like a, this was like Nala Say and Lama Sue trying to gather them up and and get them somewhere safe and away from the Empire. And again, we've talked about this whole idea of maybe the Kaminoans staging their own kind of like clone rebellion against the empire, which by the end of this episode, I can't decide if that's either now definitely going to happen or if it's already, that possibility is just dead in the water because of where they yeah. end up at the end of this. But um, they, yeah,
0: they, they've done a very good job of keeping us on our toes with that one of like, they are up to something like the, the Kaminoans have a backup plan. But they are also they've also been caught, um, I uh, flat-footed uh, in in this episode, right? Like, yeah, I, I, I it, more more than once actually. But like, it's very clear that like, like Lama Su was was, uh, I, paying attention to the Empire's actions, but not really clocking how fast things were moving, which I think is also the case for us of like, wow, there are stormtroopers already. Like we're already Mm -hmm. that far. We don't really have a good idea of how long it's been since the end of the clone wars, like, like, like since revenge of the Sith. So has it been, has it been three months? Has it been six months? Has it been almost a year? Right. Like since the beginning of the season, because every time we come back, it feels like, the bad batch have done one or two more missions sort of thing right like yeah. like there are i actually really like the way that they've done that because what they've done is they've allowed themselves the room to to do things like put novels and comic books and stuff like that in that time period of like before stormtroopers and flesh out the world in other mediums doesn't necessarily have to be episodes of the show um and i hope that they continue to do that to give it those those spaces so that they can tell other stories if they feel like it but um but it has made the timeline very uh uh open to interpretation i think i'll Mm -hmm. put it that way uh yeah yeah, i I don't know it'd be interesting
1: yeah it would be nice to get an episode at some point and you know it could either be It could even be like the season finale or maybe like the first episode of next season or something where somebody just mentions, you know, oh, it's been a year since the Empire took over. And look, they've already done all this or whatever, you know, just we have some kind of point of reference.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah, it would be nice. It would be nice for them to to clue us back in. Uh, uh as to how how much time has passed and you know like i still maintain whatever happens in the next two episodes the the aftermath of that when we come back in season 2 i think that a very significant chunk of time will have passed um and 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 as i've said before the main reason for that is that i think that they want to get to a place where uh omega is not a helpless kid right but I also don't think that they want to necessarily tell the stories, the individual stories of like her training. Like we it's, it's actually, it has been very interesting that like that's been, there have been a couple of B or C plots in episodes of like, Oh, Omega is, is developing skills, but they've been so far in the background for me that it's, that it's become really clear of like, they don't want to waste time telling those stories and I mean like, like, you know, that you could do it in an interesting way, but I think that they've decided that's not what this show is about. There's other stuff that this show is about. We will imply that that's happening and that, that Omega is training with bad batch and learning skills. And I, and, and that to me sets up like, Oh, well, there will be a time jump at some point. There absolutely will be. Um, and we'll come back. And I mean, I think they're doing the same thing on the Mandalorian. I think that yeah. the reason why we're getting book of Boba Fett is because by the time that we come back to Mando season three, I, I it'll have been a couple of years at least so that we can uh, 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 bring back Grogu uh, in a, in a different state than, than we left him. Here's the other thing that they can do. They can deage Mark Hamill with makeup. <laughs> <laughs> if if they if they let enough time pass and he grows a beard out or whatever it's like they can just do some of the like they can do like the like the mcu de-aging uh uh or or aging <laughs> that they do uh in yeah, those movies true. rather than the like full-on like making him look like he's 30 40 years younger um and completely replacing his face but i i so if we see him again i will we'll see a very different looking luke skywalker um but yeah i, th- I think that that's what what they they're kind of setting up here um hi uh, but i uh, but i i think that that some of these clones are going to like because they say like the viable one and it's like so what are they doing with the non-viable ones right? They're yeah, going to destroy them. They're not going to leave them around to, to uh, uh, be used against them. Right. That's sort of yeah. Mama
1: Sue's whole thing. But And that uh, could be, I don't know if that's more defective clones or just the ones that haven't fully completed their training yet. And maybe they don't want to invest in like seeing that all the way through. Um, I so think yeah, it maybe, would have maybe to they do... do have something, yeah. you know, some, something sinister in mind for those kids. So I, I
0: think that it's about obedience I I think I think that Rampart is focused on the chips um and sort of like the 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 ones that he can control um and and then the ones that are skilled. I think like those are his two priorities with the clone troopers and I think mm-hmm. that if you're just a reg that you're not of any interest to him.
1: Um That could be too. And I hope we get some further explanation on that in the next couple episodes. Um Just because, you know, the only context that Clone Wars gives us is like the only clone that we see resist the programming even for a second is Rex. And that's because he kind of knows what's going on and has a very strong bond with Ahsoka. Um, And then here in Bad Batch, I mean, obviously the Bad Batch aren't affected by it at the beginning, but now you have clones like Hauser and like Gregor who just kind of decide, Nah, I don't want to go along with this. And so, yeah. you know, I want to know, like, is, did they also have defective chips? Does the strength of the programming kind of wear off over time? Like, you know, what's, what's kind of going on there. So.
0: I, th- I think, I think that, yeah, that that at some point we will get that conversation of like the Hauser aspect of it. They wouldn't have put that in there if there wasn't a reason for it. Right. Yeah. Um, like, and the idea of like, oh yeah, there are these clones that are less, whether it's whether it's uh, the influence of, of um, the people that they were in contact with. So, uh, you know, like for Rex, you say, like his connection to Ahsoka, his connection to Anakin and Obi-Wan, I think played a, 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 a big part in him being able to um, even just resist it for the, for the few seconds that he does. And with Hauser, I think that what you see there is the influence of Champs and Dula. And and uh, and it not being a direct um, uh, so diso- d- diso- directly disobeying something like Order 66, right? That like right. we get into murkier water with what happens with Hauser and Rampart and 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 uh, Orn Frita because like. Part of their programming is obedience, but part of their programming is also, uh, I, you know, protect the republic, right? Mm-hmm. And I think like you've got like kind of a little bit of an iRobot Isaac Asimov situation here of like the first rule, is <laughs> like like the rules of robotics, right? Where it's like a robot can't harm a person but a robot can't also like can't stand by and let harm happen to a person they robot also can't harm another robot or itself unless like like uh, unless there it's in basically in the service of like saving a person right mm-hmm. um like all of that stuff that's in iRobot, not the Will Smith movie. I mean, like that stuff is in the Will Smith movie, but I'm talking about the book and I'm, and I'm butchering it right now. I'm not quoting it uh, verbatim. I'm, I'm No, I'm I mean, you're, you're hitting the parameters. main points though, but, but the same idea with the clones of like with Hauser, what's the programming tell him the programming tells him like, Oh, you know, like, like his duty is to the Republic. His duty is to, he, he's, he's to follow orders. But what happens when those orders, are in direct conflict with defending the Republic and its people, yeah. right? what is the republic and so like like a clone that served under i uh, i i don't know sicy tin might not have the same i uh, i uh, perspective on um what it means to to defend the republic as a as the clone who served with Sindula who would very much believe that defending the republic is not about it's not about buildings, it's not about equipment, it's not about governments, it's about the people. That's what that Cham and his freedom fighters are fighting for: the people of Ryloth, not for the institutions of Ryloth. Right. So, so those orders are in direct conflict with that ideology, which is outside of the Kaminoans' control. Once those clones are out in the galaxy, their neural pathways are being sort of, you know, reforged or not reforged, but like just they're making different connections based on who they're interacting with. Right. And so it's going to it's I think that's going to lead to different reactions to stimulus, right? That's in a nutshell, that is, that's what makes us different people. (laughs) We have different experiences and those different experiences create linkages in our brains that define our personalities, right? Some of that stuff is, is, is nature. Like, like some of it's, you know, brain chemistry that's out of our control that has nothing to do with, with the nurture components of it. But, but I personally think that a lot of it is, is the nurture. And it's like, like the people who you, who you are surrounded with are, and the things that influence you, I, I are what form your personality and who you are. So, so when we take that to the clones, it's like, that's I, so I think that Rampart's trying to weed out those clones. So when he's saying viable, I think he's talking about like, the elite clone troopers that are like, I'm sh- like, they's probably got a list of criteria. And like I said, he's prioritizing loyalty to the empire. And then after that, probably skills. Right. Um, cause to rampart, it's like, if they can't obey orders, then they're no good to us. And right. it's it, like the interesting part of that is that like, he thinks that conscripted soldiers I are or not conscripted at this point, but like I, I recruited soldiers from across the galaxy are going to be more loyal, and I want them to dig into why Rampart feels that way, and I hope he doesn't die by the end of the season because I want more of his ideology to come out. Like I yeah. want, I want to hear some like Orson Krennic, Tarkin type, I. Uh, Uh, you know, tirades and monologues where he explains his thinking and that like manipulating, it's easier to manipulate citizens who think that they're free into, you know, like, like serving the empire than it is to trust the Kamino that the Kaminoans have programmed these clones properly because, you know, like in his eyes, it's very clear that that's not the case. Look at all of these instances, right? Like, look, yeah, at yeah, definitely. So well, yeah, I, mean, I really think like, like made his point for him.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've already seen even just when, um, when Crosshair first got his squad of like the sort of first batch of yeah. recruits and they were talking about what the empire had already done for them in the short time that it had been around. Um, and so I think, yeah, you're already seeing that idea That, like you said, that the Empire values loyalty over skills, which we know because we know that stormtroopers are inferior soldiers to clone troopers. Um, Yeah. But just having having more of them and getting people from around the galaxy to willingly sign up to fight for something they believe in rather than go through all this expensive tech and science of creating these guys and having to program them and then hoping that the programming works and, you know, doing what they're told and whatever. So.
0: I think I think the biggest benefit, and I think like they've kind of implied this a little bit already, is that you get you get people signing up for different reasons. I mean, like you get Han Solo signing up to get away from Corellia, right? To get off planet. You Luke wants to sign up for the same reason, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Biggs and and everybody else from Tatooine, like all so many of our heroes in the Rebellion era all were Imperials first that ended up turning and you get, you get some of those characters like Aiden Versio who like, she, she is heroic from the beginning of that story until the end of that story. And when she's asked to do things uh, in, in the Inferno squad book, like there, there are moments where she, there's, it's kind of like, well, the mission is dictating this. And it's like, and she definitely questions it. She still kind of goes along with it. Cause it's all before uh before before the events of battlefront 2 but um but there is like the is the empire are we the baddies (laughs) right like that that joke that meme but i yeah like like but you do get you do get the loyalties for the different reasons and people will sign up because they want to protect their home right which I think is is what Rampart is sort of preying on. That's his plan. Is to take advantage of that. Um, and uh, uh, it doesn't mean that you're going to get the best soldiers. But you are going to get the ones who are going to lay down their lives. Right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and it, it, I think it's interesting from our perspective. Because we know for a fact that the clone troopers are better. But... Rampart wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't part of Palpatine's design. Rampart wouldn't be where he is uh in in the in in the the Imperial military if it if Palpatine wasn't also behind this, you know, like understanding that like cuz I think that if if the clones do have this sort of Um, loyalty to the Republic and not the Empire as part of their programming, Palpatine would be aware of that. And that's why he would be like, yeah, like to Tarkin, like, yes, make sure that, that uh, Admiral Rampart has everything that he needs to do this. Because at this point it's becoming a very major operation, right? Like this is like Mm a, uh, this is like a Death Star. Uh, uh, What's the like the Thai defenders on Lothal. Like it's like these, uh, it's one of these types of projects that the emperor is very well aware of. So, um, and this is massive. This is a complete overhaul of their military structure, right? There's no way that Palpatine isn't completely up to, up to speed on everything that's happening. And also, like that this wasn't part of his plan the whole time. Right. Yeah. Get rid of the clone troopers. Cause I think that like for him, the clones are like the last piece of the Jedi in a way. Right. Like, like you have to get rid of the clones because so many of them have been influenced by the Jedi and, and, and as much as order 66 overrides some of that, it's like, like, is it, is it, for sure and it's not we've seen it it's not and palpatine has to be aware that that's the case so he would oh, he would be like you know order 66 existed so he's probably got another order or something like he's got mm-hmm. something and we know that like within order 66 disloyalty to to the empire is is also uh, uh shoot on sight right like yeah if if a clone trooper is seen not complying with order 66 they're also to be executed so like that's part of order 66 so um yeah like uh, it's palpatine you know he's planned for every contingency he's 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 uh he's palpatine we we don't need to rehash all that
1: uh but I, i mean i think part of it too is like i mean you think about the clones being more efficient soldiers and everything like we talked about but also just the sort of the cost and the effort of all this cloning technology and growing them from birth and all that kind of stuff like i think the only reason palpatine had to do that in the first place was a so that he could make sure he encoded that programming in there to make them turn on the jedi and and wipe them all out and that was obviously like the the linchpin of his entire plan but it was it was also the fact that it was beginning in a time of relative peace when obviously you had all this corruption and sort of war on the horizon, but the Republic didn't have a military. So he needed to be able to grow this clone army in secret and then just kind of reveal it when the time was right and be like, Hey, separatists are attacking, you know, we got a war to fight. Here's this army we can use. And nobody really questioned it because the separatist threat was, you know, Oh, we need something to defend ourselves against this. And so again, now that he has control of the entire galaxy and it's militarized and they won the war, like, they don't need to keep putting all that money and time and resources into growing clone troopers when they have stormtroopers that'll just sign up. So, um, yeah, I think, like yeah. you said, this was his plan all along, and it just I, logistically just sort of makes more sense. Um, and even though they, yeah. like you said, like I think a lot of us saw this coming, especially because they mentioned Project War Mantle earlier in the season, and we know that's the title of this episode. Yeah. And so, it, like, it wasn't a a big reveal for me. Like, we always knew this was coming um but just you know following along with the story and being invested with the characters you understand why it's a big reveal for them because even though we as the audience like yeah I mean, we knew we knew stormtroopers before we knew clone troopers but you put yourselves in the shoes of these clone troopers that don't realize they're being replaced and it's a big deal for them so
0: yeah totally totally let's keep going with the episode we're only we're only two paragraphs in uh the bad batch <laughs> arrive at darrow and begin to follow the signal All they find is the distress beacon, but Hunter soon starts tracking the trooper and those who captured him through clues left behind. They come upon a mountain, which Hunter believes is holding something. Tech agrees, as his scanners seem jammed. Hunter orders that Wrecker and Omega return to the ship while the rest investigate. Hunter, Tech, and Echo scale the mountain and discover what looks like a military base of some sort. They go in for a closer look and spy commandos leading squads of clone troopers with updated armor. Hunter decides they must leave, but Echo objects. If there's a chance that trooper is being held against his will, we have to try to get him out, he says. Uh, and I like this. I like that Echo is like very insistent about this because the the Bad Batch... I don't really have, there's no love lost for, uh, uh, for the regs, right? Like they really don't care. Mm-hmm. So echo is our connection into that. Cause he was a reg at one point. And then on top of that, he was also, he was captured by the enemy. Right. And so it's like a sensitive thing for him of like, like, no, like you guys didn't leave me behind. We're not leaving. We're not leaving this guy behind. Right. It's like a whole thing. So, I like that. I like that consistency of the character and and uh, and that he is actually kind of I mean like as much as Omega is certainly the heart of, of the the team. I uh, I Echo is also <laughs> it's the irony of it is fantastic because he is like Vader, more machine than man, but he's he hasn't lost himself, right? Like he's still, mm-hmm. um, he's still fighting to sort of maintain his his uh, his humanity, uh, and uh, and and so we see that like like he cares, um, uh, even though it's like you know he gets treated like a droid sometimes, but like he does, mm-hmm. he he cares more than the rest of the bad batch, who are very much like just kind of very singularly focused on their own objectives.
1: Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I I mean, this was a a really nice little moment there with the the throwback to them rescuing him on Skako Minor, because I was wondering, too, like, as they're surveying the base, and they had sent uh, Omega and Wrecker back to the ship. And I'm wondering, I'm like, okay, obviously, we know this is a clone that, you know, Rex is connected with, and this is the mission to get him out. But like, it doesn't really make sense for the three of them to risk their lives going into this base with, you know, hundreds of troopers just to break one guy out. Um, and then, you know, once, uh, Echo kind of puts it in perspective like that, it's like, oh yeah, I guess I can see why, um, you know, why he would want to keep pushing forward with that. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, you, you get the, um, the music to the clone theme from Clone Wars plays during that part. So, um, yeah. And like you said, it's, it's like, I love these scenes when, um, when record or when Echo kind of gets to be like the, the heart of the story a little bit. Um. Anyhow, like normally it's Omega, but like I, I feel like Echo is the one character in the Bad Batch that like has the least defined role, but he gets all these little random like really impactful moments. Um, yeah, like when he when he shines through, um, and you know when when he gets his moments in the spotlight, it's usually really impactful and like one of the highlights of the episode. So I like that part a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, he's a, he's our connection back into the Clone Wars, right? So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, like we've been with Echo since since the first season, <laughs> since Rookies, right? Which is what the yeah, uh, true sixth or seventh episode of the series. Like uh, maybe even oh, it might even be the fifth.
1: It's the yeah, it's the
0: fifth. It's the fifth, right? Because we get the first episode, we get Ambush, and then we get the three parter, the Malevolence mm-hmm. trilogy, and then yeah, Rookies is the fifth episode. So. Like, yeah, I mean, like, like, and that it's the it's the third story that we get, really, because the Malevolence trilogy is all one thing. And uh, I mean, fourth, it, if you count the movie, but yeah, sure. I don't. Uh, <laughs> no, that's the end of the movie. But but it was like, like, that's so early on in us establishing, you know, what is this series? What does it look like? and and i think that rookies is i think that actually like rookies defined what the series would become in in a lot of ways because we got the three sides of the story right of the clone wars we got the jedi we got the the separatists slash dark side um and then we got the clone troopers right the republic And, uh, and, and rookies is the first time that we really, I mean, ambush, we get a little bit of it, but rookies really like kind of define that. Like, here's a story. There are no Jedi in this one, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is just about the clone troopers and we're introduced to the shinies. Right. And, uh, uh, and you know, we fall in love with several of them and follow them along their, their story, um, throughout clone wars uh all the way until season 7 with with uh with echo so yeah it's i i i mean like they are they are arguably aside from Rex and Cody the that that group uh is they are the most important clone troopers in in the in the series right like or in in oh, Star yeah, Wars no doubt right like and i would say like echo and echo and fives uh and who wh- who is the other one? 5s fives doesn't become an arc trooper does he
1: yeah he does yeah echo and fives are the two that become arc troopers
0: it's echo and fives that become arc troopers yeah so yeah yeah it's like the like the two of them i think are yeah like
1: like they are
0: meant to be like our other like because rex is part of the jedi storyline right but like echo and fives it's like here, like these guys are they're clone troopers there are they are our are our, 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 you know link into that world um, and so echo still being around as part of bad batch I think he serves that purpose very much um, mm-hmm. and so yeah he's gonna echo echo those sentiments um, <laughs> uh, in this
1: uh, I why don't you continue all right it's it's uh, you hunt- now, right yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm get the next part. Uh Hunter updates Wrecker and tells him that they're going to infiltrate the base. When Omega voices her desire to join, the Bad Batch leader reiterates his orders that she and Wrecker stay on the ship. The three Bad Batchers enter the base. Echo plugs in and discovers data for something called TK troopers just before they find their target's location. They arrive at the cell and tell the prisoner they were sent by Rex. The name's Gregor, the trooper tells them. They make their way through the base, but when Tech enters a clone code at a terminal to redirect the Empire's forces, it instead triggers an alarm. Clone codes don't work here, Gregor says. Troopers close in on their position, but the Bad Batchers batchers fight them off. As they prepare to head upwards to leave, however, Tech notices something about the Imperial troopers. They're not clones. That's what I've been trying to tell you, Gregor says. These are our replacements, if you can believe that. Um, Uh, So yeah, this is where... Yeah, just like you said, this, this like we've already figured it out by this point, especially seeing the uh, the updated armor and everything. But um, yeah, just seeing them realize for the first time that, and I mean, it's crazy because I think the big reveal here for us as the audience is like we knew that Crosshair had his squad, and we knew that this was coming at some point that the Empire had plans yeah. to replace the clones with with conscripted troopers, but. Um, I don't think we realized that like it was going on at this big of a scale already that they've got a whole base full of, you know, thousands of troops and or I think yeah, I think he said there were like a 1000 stormtroopers in there um, being trained by like 50 commandos or something and who knows if they've got more bases like this around the galaxy already. And so yeah. it's funny because I was kind of assuming after some of the other episodes that we had seen this season. Um, and especially with the stuff on Ryloth, I thought maybe Hauser's insurrection was gonna be the thing that finally sort of put uh Rampart over the edge and was like, okay, we need to go full steam ahead with Project War Mantle because we can't trust these clone troopers, so let's start ramping this up and bringing in more stormtroopers. But now we see like, no, this has already been going on for a while, so um,
0: yeah, yeah, I, mean, that I, I think that was the
1: surprising part.
0: I think, in terms of timeline though, it, it all makes sense because. Like we know by the time of Solo, like it's stormtroopers, it's the stormtroopers that we expect to see in the original trilogy, right? There's, mm-hmm. I th- I feel like there are still a, a few remnants of of the clone army. I I like the influence of that is still there a little bit when you see like the patrol troopers and stuff like that, we see like there's more variety in the troopers than there is by the time that we hit the original trilogy where it's really just, you know, um, I mean, obviously within that it's the three types, right? It's the storm troopers, uh, the snow troopers, and then the scout troopers. But, and, and the snow troopers are really just meant to be like a different, just, you know, just for a different environment
1: whereas mm. scout troopers well, are more
0: of a specialized type of troop right but i
1: mean don't forget you've got all those ones in rogue one too and then throughout the um throughout a lot of the comics not, and stuff they've yeah. been putting in like dark or death troopers and stuff like yeah, that. yeah
0: comics don't count Com- the comics the comics mean <laughs> nothing the 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 current like the main star wars title and whatever like other spin-offs that, that link directly into those stories. I'm just gonna let everybody know right now. Just disregard them as canon. Enjoy the stories. They are not canon and they will never be canon. That's not what happened between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. It's not what happened between Empire and Return of the Jedi. Like it they're they're fun stories and they're cute, but they are much more like the Marvel Star Wars comics from the 70s and 80s than they are, like the Dark Horse stuff from the 90s and 2000s that were trying to like tell the stories in between, sort of thing. Um, cause yeah, cause they're just a little bit too ridiculous. So, so don't ever bring up the comics when we're talking about continuity. But <laughs> I, I, there's neat stuff in there, but like what is it it's like task force 99 or whatever that was like oh we'll see i'm not even bad, getting bad. into all
1: that kind of stuff i'm just talking about like, the get fact out of that, here like, with
0: those guys
1: i'm i'm so. mostly just talking about the like the the type of trooper yeah. armor that they introduce in rogue yeah. one which obviously is like the day before a new hope and then they still in other stories that at least Lucasfilm sees as canon they sprinkle that stuff in throughout the original yeah. trilogy time period even though it obviously wasn't around in the movies they lied about Canon
0: in order to get everybody to buy everything on day one in 2015. Right. Like, like that was their whole thing is like, Hey, from now on, everything is Canon. We've got the story group. And it's, it was very clear to me the second that I saw Luke Skywalker on a speeder bike fighting Darth Vader on Yavin that I was like, these comics aren't Canon. There's no way that this is Canon. (laughs) And then they were like, Hey, you, you think this isn't Canon? Well, Luke Skywalker fights Boba Fett
1: next, and guess
0: what? <laughs> he wins. <laughs> and I'm just like, no, no, that's. I not. Mean, no. To,
1: to be fair, I haven't actually read any of the main Star Wars line. I've read a handful of stuff here and there. I I like the uh, the Vader comics a lot. Um, I, I, you know, the Vader
0: comics are also very good. I'm not saying that these are bad comics necessarily. I'm just saying that like if you're trying to reconcile them as canon you're not going to enjoy yourself. You have to shut that part of your brain off and you have to just, you know, all that stuff. It's like they, they, uh, between the the acquisition and uh, The Force Awakens, they published four or five different stories about where Luke Skywalker was between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. And there's no way that he did all of that in that time period. Right. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I, I will say what I always say about this sort of stuff. It's like the stuff that's on screen is Canon. So whether it's the, the movies or the TV shows, that stuff's Canon. That's a, it's a different level of Canon and animation is just as valid in that as, um, as, as the live action stuff you know in terms of like penetration and and like 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 uh reach uh with the audience obviously the the live action stuff makes more of an impact but in terms of like canon storytelling and what influences what uh the 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 on-screen stuff comes first uh weirdly the video game stuff I think i would say is probably next because uh, Fallen Order and uh, Battlefront Two and Squadrons, like like those are stories. Those are stories that are set in in the 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 canon of Star Wars for sure. Do they hmm. take some liberties? I think so. <laughs> and then after that would be the novels, uh, and then after that is the comics, and then after yeah. that is Lego and- Star Wars, which has its own continuity, which is something that people forget. Like Lego Star Wars. Has a continuity that it is beholden to. It's just not the continuity of the movies or anything else. It's it like Lego Star Wars has its own. Like there's the the clone the clone trooper with force powers from the stuff that was like coming out when Clone Wars was on that people forget it, the Yoda Chronicles stuff, right? that stuff factors in in freemaker adventures freemaker adventures factors in in lego star wars all-stars and then the christmas special from like the holiday special from last year and now the 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 halloween special that we're going to get this year they also pay attention to the canon of the lego star wars story but it's a different canon uh uh, anyways we're talking way too much about canon but
1: you had something you were going (laughs) to say Oh, I don't even remember. Oh, I was just going to try when you were talking about video games and how you see those as more canon than the books and the novels. I feel like those at least have sort of carved out their own little stories. Like I know the Battlefront 2 campaign has a bunch of cameos from like original trilogy characters and stuff. But like, yeah, there's nothing in the video games, at least pertaining to like main characters from the movies where you go, I don't know if that's really canon. Um Sure. And, and at least, you know, for me with the select few comics that I have read, I haven't come across anything yet where I need to kind of be selective and be like, okay, this is fun, but I don't know if that really actually happened. But yeah, um, I would say like, for me, like direct
0: movie tie-ins get more, um, uh, they're, they're, or direct movie or, or TV show tie-ins. Get like they're they have a higher priority to me than like I said like that mainline Star Wars, which and and the ones that connect in with it. So Darth Vader, uh, right now, like all this War of the Bounty Hunters stuff. The, um, I I oh what was it called? The Citadel something. Or, I know it wasn't Citadel. I can't remember what it was. They did another. They did a crossover back then and like and they ended up like like afra is very tied into that like that stuff is like a different it's like a different canon and then like they did the the afra radio drama right like the 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 audiobook version of the afra story and i think that the reason that they did that is that they wanted it to hit a wider audience because that because afra is going to show up in something at some point whether it's andor or you know mm-hmm. uh i uh, uh, the mandalorian or something like afra is going to make the the jump from comic books to live action actually you know what afra could very easily show up in bad batch at some point which would be which would go a long way in legitimizing that character making her more than just a a, a character that was created for the comics which is what she was um, but like it like it's very clear that the story group wants Afra to be an important part of Star Wars moving forward. So like they did stuff like that but but like that's just like kind of to my point where it's like they felt the need to do that audiobook audio drama thing in order to legitimize that character more because, I don't think that the story group really cares that much about those comics. I think that like, there are comics that they care about, like the Lando comic. Uh, I think, I think is one. I think I, I, uh shattered empire is a hundred percent Uh It's meant to be. Um uh, at least when it was published it was. They've now contradicted themselves with Rise of Skywalker. But Yeah, I was whatever. gonna
1: say, wait, I thought Poe's parents were spice runners or whatever, or he was a spice runner, no, orphan, he orphan was whatever. A
0: spice runner, yeah, in, in Yeah, and uh, no.
1: that kind of contradicts
0: the characters that are established of K- Kess Dameron and Shara Bay. Yeah, yeah. Shattered Empire get, was better. They kind of get crapped all over by that one line in in uh, which is just a joke. Honestly, I mean, like, yeah, it's, there were other ways to set up that he had underworld contacts. Um, mm-hmm. They do it in the Podameron comic, the Charles Soul Podameron comic book. Like, he has underworld contacts because he's just out in the galaxy. Like, it's fine. He didn't have to be a smuggler. They just they wanted to like uh, uh, Terio wanted to make Podameron into Han Solo, and it was like, God, hey. We already got it. We already got it that he is very Han Solo-esque, but slightly different, right? Like, like. anyways, he didn't need to be made more Han Solo in his origins. Retreading existing territory, completely pointless. Uh, but Theriot is a bad writer, so. Um. Where are we in this episode? <laughs> Let me continue. Um, I, I think you've got the next. Tangent. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, the you've, ba- you've
1: got second to yeah. last paragraph.
0: The Bad Batchers and Gregor race through the base's corridors, stunning those in their path. They finally reach a lift and head to the roof. But when the group reaches the top, they find troopers waiting. Forced back down, the Bad Batchers and Gregor must again blast their way through. A shot tags Gregor, but he survives. Meanwhile, a shot from uh, Scorch, by the way. Uh, Meanwhile, Tech devises an escape plan. Uh, They will leave through the thermal exhaust port and contact the Marauder. As they walk, Gregor tells Hunter that he was sent into sent to this base with other commandos by the Empire, but he quickly realized he wanted out. It turns out the Empire doesn't take too kindly to desertion, he says laughing. Hunter contacts the Marauder and requests a pickup. Omega and Wrecker ready the ship. So yeah, we we do get to see Scorch from the Republic mm-hmm. Commando video game. Uh, in this in this episode, um, which is very interesting, uh, especially because he's on the other side of this conflict. Um, obviously, the Republic Commando novels are all decanonized, uh, uh, but that's mostly actually in in relation to Clone Wars stuff. So at this point, it's like no one should be upset that because uh, wasn't the there were four books, right? And wasn't the fourth one was Imperial Commandos, and not. Oh, yeah, something like like that. It's like Post Order 66. Obviously, that's all been now retconned into other stories. So having Scorch show up here is just one of those things of like, it's for sure, for sure. Uh, But I don't think that that Mm -hmm. was the point of it. I think that that was just them wanting to throw in a cool Easter egg for for fans of the Republic Commando video game. Um, Yeah. And then, then, you know, like the novels kind of split off of that. What is it? Delta Squad is the one in the video game. And then Omega Squad is the one in the books, right? Um, oh, yeah. I haven't
1: read the books, but Delta Squad is definitely the one from the game. Yeah. And Omega
0: Squad, I think, has kind of like a lot of the ba- the ideas that that Bad Batch is made up of. Very much Omega Squad stuff. Hmm. Um, and I think like, there's lots of just Republic Commando in general is a very heavy influence on Bad Batch with the like... Hey, these guys are specialized in you know, and they, because in in Republic Commando, they all have different voices, right? They're not all mm-hmm. sorry, they're not all Tamara Morrison. Just, uh, just uh, boss is is Timur morrison was he actually voiced by tim i think he was
1: he was yeah in fact right. uh david collins um who you know does a bunch of the the audio work on a lot of uh video games at lucasfilm um yeah i think he er- like he earlier this year had posted a big long twitter thread just about some of his memories of working on the republic commando game i think it might have been when yeah. like the um when Not they the remaster, but like yeah, when they re-released yeah. it for like the Switch and stuff. And then he reshared that Twitter thread this week after this most recent episode with Scorch showing up. And so I was kind of scrolling through that Twitter thread and he had a picture in there of uh there was a couple pictures of him and Tim Morrison in the, the audio booth. Nice. Um, so that was pretty cool. But yeah, I mean this was that was a total shocker of a cameo because you know, I mean, it wasn't like some big dramatic reveal like when the Delta Squad shows up in Clone Wars. It's just the elevator stops, the doors open and I'm like, holy crap, wait, that's scorched from public commando and the doors close and they go right back down. And I was just kind of left there with my jaw hanging open. Like, wait a second.
0: Yeah. It um, it actually addresses a question that I asked Dave Filoni, which like the next time that I see Dave Filoni at a star Wars celebration, I'm going to bring it up because I asked him a question in 2010 Uh, after we saw the season three trailer that revealed the Republic Commandos for the first time in Clone Wars. And I said, I asked in in the press junket, is there a chance that this means like we could get a conclusion to the story in Republic Commando because it's left on a cliffhanger, like the stuff with... um, because what it's Sev that gets left behind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, like, like Republic Commando ends very much on a cliffhanger of like, like the war is about to end. We're like moments away from Order sixty six, basically. And 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 Sev gets separated from the rest of the squad, and they have to leave without him. And you're kind of like, oh no, what's going to happen? So I like I had asked him that question. And he laughed and was like, well, no, because that happens at the end of the war. That's technically in Revenge of the Sith. And this is the Clone Wars. And so, you know, and I'm going to I definitely want to be like, you said it couldn't happen. But here we are with the Bad Batch. And it could have (laughs) happened. So, you know. Yep uh because he definitely like was a little bit dismissive of it and i felt a little bit silly of like oh yeah you're right that happens in like it's basically within revenge of the sith right because that's sort of like what like it's it's happening at the same time as uh yeah like the very end of the game is when yoda arrives with the clones to take back Kashyyyk from the separatists,
1: right? Oh, um, okay, yeah, that sounds. It's
0: familiar. like, yeah, like it's the whole.
1: That, I feel like the whole the whole main like uh Republic commando mission on Kashyyyk is like they're like on a scouting mission like before the Republic yeah. comes in in force.
0: Yeah, because the because that like those final moments are like all of the star destroyers. I uh, I uh, entering the atmosphere right like like the acclimators like all coming into the atmosphere. actually
1: are they acclimators I think they might actually be the other ones the, the I don't remember ones. I'd have to go check uh, it's been so long since I've played that game like yeah. I just remember I feel like I I remember that part on Kashyyyk taking place before Revenge of the Sith but I don't remember how it ends aside from yeah. just them having to leave Sev there because the one that they the Star Destroyer
0: that the second mission, because there's three missions, right? There's Geonosis, there's the the Derelict Star Destroyer, and then there's Kashyyyk. And the Derelict Star Destroyer is one of the, it's, I'm backwards. That's the Acclimator class is the, the episode two Star Destroyer. The Venators yeah. are the episode three ones. So yeah, yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure that they're acclimators that are like, that are like landing. It's not Venators. Um, cause I don't know. I don't know that we ever see a Venator enter the atmosphere, right? Like the thing about the acclimators is that they were smaller than, um, than Imperial Star Destroyers, like significantly smaller than Imperial Star Destroyers, which I think was just Pablo Hidalgo justifying when that one lands in, um, in the micro series on, on, uh, uh, Mon Calamari. Uh, uh and uh, I get and I guess like we see them yeah. in, in, uh, like landed in, uh, in clo- in attack of the clones as well. So it's, them, yeah, uh, like, well, well, these was, aren't, in, in, these aren't in, in, Imperial star destroyers, which are much bigger and can't, you
1: know, like land, uh, the way But we like, do also see, team. we see, uh, Venators docked on Coruscant in Revenge of the Sith though. Do we? Yeah. Like when, um, when Anakin and Obi-Wan have their whole final farewell scene and then Obi-Wan goes and gets on the ship, they've got a whole shipyard. Now they're not, I don't, we don't exactly see how they're sitting. Cause they're not just kind of like parked on landing gear. Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the acclimators are, um, they're more on like big shipping docks, but, um, yeah, yeah, we do see them on the ground.
0: Okay. I believe you. Uh, that sounds right. Uh, in any case, you know, like none of this matters. None of it's relevant to this, to this episode. Yeah, all of that is just Republic Commando was a thing, and uh, and and I am going to definitely I I <laughs> uh, say to Dave Filoni like you made me feel like a real dummy, but here we are telling Clone Wars type stories post Revenge of the Sith, and uh, uh, so my question wasn't so silly. Obviously, we didn't tell that story. It went in a different. It ended up evolving over the course of, you know, the decade (laughs) between season three of uh, Clone Wars and and uh, and the introduction of Bad Batch. But I but but I wasn't that far off because, you know, the the Republic Commando characters really just evolved into Bad Batch. That's what happened. Right. Yeah, that, that same idea just turned into a different thing. Um yeah. Bad Batch one thing is that, the Republic Commando series that everybody wanted. That's what it is. And yeah, and, and yeah, I feel much. stupid now in hindsight when I was like, do we really want Bad Batch? Do we really feel like we need and it's like, no, no, no. no. This is that's exactly what this is. It, like this is Republic Commando, the TV show. They just yeah, changed what Republic Commando means.
1: I mean even though George isn't even though George isn't working on it anymore just you know from their inception in Clone Wars I think Dave has even said like this is basically like Republic Commandos if George designed them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even something that took me for whatever reason took me a long time to realize just because of like the different paint schemes on their armor and stuff like I didn't really think about this but Hunter's outfit is just Republic Commando armor with like a phase two clone trooper faceplate slapped on the helmet but even like the whole, you know, back and sides of the helmet, like that's a Republic commando helmet.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's so. very much.
1: Yeah, I, I, okay. Uh, let's keep going. Let's keep going with this. I, uh, uh, you're up next. Okay. Yeah, I think I got the next part. Uh, Gregor and the Bad Batchers reach the port, but Imperial troops spot them and open fire. Wrecker and Omega manage to get Tech and Gregor out, but gunships chase the Marauder off, leaving Echo and Hunter behind. After fighting off the Imperial Swarm, Tech brings the Marauder back for another pass. Echo makes the jump onto the ship, but Hunter can't hang on. He plummets thousands of feet downward and lands on the planet's surface. When Hunter wakes, he orders Tech to leave. I'll find another way back, he says. Omega pleads with Hunter to change his directive, but he refuses. Hunter lowers his weapons as Imperial troops surround him. And man, I mean, we haven't talked about it yet, but the whole landscape of this planet that they're on was just... I mean, you you talked about it at the beginning, how this show is just, you know, some of the most gorgeous animation we've ever seen. And it feels like every episode just keeps blowing you away. But man, just the look of the forests and the trees and stuff on this planet, even from the, like from the opening shots at night, but then to some of the landscape shots when they come in and land and you just see you know, just this vast forest with these big like mountains sticking up out of it. Um, There were just certain shots in here that looked photorealistic and um, just, you know, seeing the shots with the the ships flying over and having the dogfight and everything. And then when Hunter falls down and, you know, there's one shot that I keep seeing everybody sharing around online where he's, you know, getting back up and he's like kneeling and you see the the stormtroopers closing in around him. And it's just like the way the light is coming through the trees and the shadows on his helmet and stuff just looks absolutely insane.
0: Yeah, it uh I yeah, visually this episode was unbelievable at times. Like where where it was like I can't believe that this is a TV show. I can't believe <laughs> that we get this every week. Um yeah, and I mean like it's definitely because it's stylized, it's never going to hit full realism. But the lighting and environmental effects have, have, I think, hit that level where they're able to produce that on a weekly basis. Um, so the environment stuff is, is super convincing. The way that the light hits Hunter's armor, it feels like he is a real physical object, right? Like that's the thing. And and, and like he, it's still stylized, but it just gives it this sort of this this reality to it with the, this depth, yeah. Um, that is fantastic. It's phenomenal. I I love it so much. I. Uh, but it is definitely like bridging the gap because then like the other side of it is the Mandalorian, which it's like you've got real actors against these LED uh uh, uh backdrops um that are essentially like i mean it's unreal engine like it's it's uh is it unreal i can't remember like mm-hmm. what what the, it is right that they used to yeah drive it's unreal the, yeah that um and and like those environments look like real practical sets that they're sitting on i mean like the ones w- like i always love the when we see the um the hanger from from the prisoner i i and we see that like oh like they have like the front of uh the the um the razor crest built but then like they're extending and building the rest of the razor crest digitally and and seamlessly matching it I, I with the camera angles and stuff like that, and like when they're on like the scaffolding, and it's like the rest of the the environment is just these LED screens are all around them mm-hmm. and stuff. is so yeah, fantastic. I, I just, I, it's it. So we're like we're sort of on both sides of it. We're like the the animated stuff is 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 so close to realism, and then we've got like the the live action stuff is half cartoon, and it's just like. <laughs> But the most important thing, as always, is that we're telling awesome stories, right? It's just the these yeah. are just the tools uh, to to do that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it, I'm just astonished. Joel Aaron and his crew are just they continue to. I can't imagine what we've got for the last two episodes with how great War Mantle looked. I can't. Oh even yeah, definitely begin.
1: Um, I mean, I'm sure. Well, it it's weird because I. I feel like I'm just sort of expecting it on this same level. Like, it would be interesting to go back and watch, you know, watch the whole season from the beginning again, because I feel like every episode, there's something that that blows me away that, makes it seem like the animation is getting better every episode, but I have a feeling like the animation is just pretty consistent quality across the whole season, but because it's all so good, just every time we're seeing new things, you know, new character models and new planets and locations with different lighting effects and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's the same quality or the same techniques or whatever, but just blows us away every time we see something new with it. So um, yeah, I I don't know that we're going to see anything in the next couple episodes. that's going to be, you know, way more impressive than what we've seen already. Except that it's just going to be new, you know, new stuff we haven't seen. And like you said, as long as the story is there and getting you invested, um, you know, we're just going to enjoy the uh, the visual feast along the way. That's pretty much just a given at this point.
0: Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Absolutely. I like. Like I said, the next two episodes, like. What are we going to get? What's it going to be? Yeah, that's uh, I'm I'm really hoping for that full on stormtrooper versus clone trooper battle uh, with just hundreds, if not thousands of white. (laughs) I, (laughs) I, yeah, just blaster fire going everywhere. I can't wait. I'm I'm very excited for these next two episodes. Uh, Let me let's let's close this one out. Uh, on Camino, Rampart visits Lamasu. He raises a disturbing matter. Nalasse has been gathering medical personnel to flee Camino, but Rampart claims to have a have use for a scientist with her skill. He does not, however, require a politician. I'm afraid your services are no longer needed, he says to Lamasu. Rampart departs <laughs> as troops stalk toward the Prime Minister. Hunter sits in his cell. Uh, I, when suddenly a visitor arrives crosshair uh I was hoping for the whole squad he says, but you'll do um and I think I think we are going to get our the the what I've predicted, which is like the the this confrontation between hunter and crosshair where crosshair is like it's not the programming like i you you guys abandoned me you 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 burnt my face, you did this. I, uh, well, I, I'm not gonna rest until you're dead. Um. So yeah, I, I think, I think, uh, I think we're gonna get that moment in the next episode, mm-hmm. or maybe, maybe two episodes from now.
1: Now, I think I, I don't necessarily have a, a bold prediction on <clears> this, but I'm thinking it, it also could be a possibility um, that this is maybe a a misdirect that the way that this ends where you know, Crosshair says, I was hoping for the whole squad, but you'll do and it seems all sinister and everything. But maybe we could be at a point where Crosshair surprises us and maybe is coming back to say, Hey, you know what, I'm realizing that like, as much as we've been at odds, and maybe you know, even I'm still harboring resentment towards you guys or whatever, maybe he's finally getting wise to the fact that the Empire is just gonna chew these clones up and spit them out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so maybe, you know, maybe they leave us on this cliffhanger thinking that, uh, you know, that something big is going to go down between Crosshair and Hunter when maybe Crosshair is actually the one that's going to get him out. Um, I could definitely see that being a a twist in the next episode. But um, either way, just a, a really dramatic way to end things with a lot to chew on heading into the last couple episodes. And then with Llama Sue too, I mean, like I said, we've been talking about this whole idea of this you know, the, the Kaminoans trying to get Omega's DNA and clone their own army and raise up this rebellion against the Empire, and now like Rampart catches them trying to leave. It seems like, you know, he's gonna take Nalise prisoner and force her to work for the Empire, which I don't know about you, but I already I that sort of jumped me ahead to thinking about, um Gosh, what's the guy's name? Dr. Pershing in The Mandalorian, who's got yeah. that like Kaminoan patch on his sleeve. And so I was like, oh, yeah. okay, so maybe she's the first one that starts up whatever division he was working on that's trying to clone Palpatine or do whatever they're trying to do with Grogu's midi Um, But the fact that, you know, he's like, hey, I can use her, but you're just a politician and, you know, scheming and whatever. And, you know, we don't need that. And the clone troopers close in and you don't see anything. The doors close it certainly seems to imply that Lama Sue is toast, but you know, we don't see a body. So I'm not, I'm not taking anything as confirmed yet, but it's like- No, Lama Sue's dead. Lama Sue's dead. (laughs) And there's no way. I mean, I, I, the only thing I'm like, we've been here before. And the, the one thing that I was thinking back to from Clone Wars was with uh, Rush Clovis where like he betrays the Separatists and helps Anakin and Padme get away. And then like the last shot of that episode way back in like season two is him walking towards basically like a firing line of battle droids that raises their blasters as he's coming at them. Um, and then he shows up again later. So I don't think we're going to like find out six seasons from now that Lama Sue is still alive. But we maybe could find out next episode that he still has a part to play or something. Um, or if he's dead, I think they'll at least confirm that next episode. Cause we also thought Orn free Ta was dead too. And then they're like, Oh, he's in the med bay recovering from that sniper shot to the head. Um, so I don't know. I'm just not taking it well, as a, do you, I, I, absolute don't, I don't, I don't,
0: I don't believe that. I don't, I, I think that Rampart or like that, that like the empire is lying about that.
1: That about like, they're
0: yeah, that they're pretending that Oren Fritch didn't die. Or like or like that he's that he's recovering. Like I think he's he's uh if 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 he's not dead, he's uh he's he's at least brain dead and they're just keeping him alive as a pretense. Well, why like
1: would that. they why would they try to frame why why would they lie about him being alive and frame Cham Sindula for his attempted murder when they could just say he's dead and Cham, you know frame Cham for his actual murder and like make him a martyr,
0: so that they can install a puppet government to rule ryloth Because but they could or- do that with that, him dead. No, I not not maintaining the loyalty of ryloth as as a, a uh, as a people. Like they, they, so no, I, we don't need to get into the whole Orn Freeta Ryloth situation. It's not really relevant. I don't think, but yeah, like I, I think that like they are, they are, it's easier for them to maintain some sort of consistency by being like, no, Orn is not dead. He just like, he can't, he can't come to the phone right now. Um, but here this uh, this Imperial is going to to tell you what he told us I, I, so like just 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 trust us and it's gonna it would be like a thing of like has anybody actually seen Orn Frita in a while and you know like it's yeah. like a conspiracy right but because it's Star yeah. Wars, the conspiracies are real um so yeah i I, th- I think that that's what's implied there and that's what that's what's happening there is that they're like yeah because otherwise it would be like just all out chaos if it if if ryloth found itself without a without a a, what is he Uh,
1: he's a senator right um yeah yeah but yeah yeah. but i mean regardless like even in clone wars you know we we thought echo was dead and we saw his charred helmet but we never saw his body and look how that turned out so i'm i realize Lama Su is probably dead. I'm just not taking it as an absolute certainty until we either see a body or hear somebody confirm it in the next episode. But regardless, I'm wondering, you know, is this either going to galvanize the remaining Kaminoans and clones to be like, okay, we definitely can't trust the Empire. We got to do something about this. Or are all the Kaminoans like schemes and plans for rebellion now dead in the water because Lama Su's dead? Um, yeah, yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see what the repercussions of that are over the next couple episodes.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, cool. With that, uh, let's jump into the mailbag. Let's see what everybody else said.
1: Sure. this is Fulcrum. Come in. Sir, we've received a transmission from someone using our subspace frequency, Fulcrum. Incoming transmission from the Rebel Cells Fulcrum mailbag. <laughs>
0: OK, uh, I over on social media, I posted what I mean. Come on. This show is amazing. Just simply amazing. Hit us with your favorite moments from Star Wars, Bad Batch, War Mantle. And you guys did. You guys you guys uh, met me with that challenge uh, over on Twitter. Uh, Martin Elman uh, at Darmit Studios says solid entry. I'm not even going to mention the animation quality because I know you've already mentioned, uh, at Joel Aaron and his team have done it again. My favorite thing from this episode is the Ralph McQuarrie inspired stormtrooper armor. It was beautiful, uh, blasting off guys. And then, uh, he's got some emojis at the end. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the Ralph McQuarrie, uh, uh, stormtrooper design, uh, I, what I really love about that is that it bridges us from Clone Wars into Star Wars Rebels. Because so much of Star Wars Rebels was Ralph McQuarrie concept art that didn't get used mm-hmm. in the movies, right? Like, we, we saw just so many designs. I mean, like, Zeb himself is, is the original design for Chewbacca, right? So, right. Uh, like, that's what is, Rebels is just littered with that stuff. And and I love that, that we're seeing these these stormtroopers who stylistically even I feel like kind of bridge the gap a little bit between Clone Wars uh Clone Troopers and uh, uh and and the stormtroopers in uh Star Wars Rebels, which are very shiny and round. Um I love the stormtrooper design in Rebels. Uh but uh yeah. Um and I mean we've gotten to see we've seen actual like original trilogy stormtroopers in the clone wars design from uh from the end of of season 7 right so um mm-hmm. we know that we'll get there eventually as well but but I like that we're getting this step in between I like that that we assumed I think all of us that we were going to see stormtroopers that it would be like a thing of like like in this episode that it would have been like a, oh and then a door opens and there's a, a thousand imperial stormtroopers but instead we get we find out that okay phase one clone troopers phase two clone troopers phase one stormtroopers and then classic stormtroopers if not like maybe another phase in between but uh, or you know if we want to count Rebels stormtroopers as something else right but uh I yeah I, I love it I, it's fantastic uh any thoughts on that Kyle
1: I mean no not really just like I mean like Martin said we already talked about the animation and how beautiful that was yeah um but yeah I mean it was it was cool seeing those um Macquarie concept stormtroopers in there too it's funny because I didn't even like I if you had told me to like draw from memory like what the original Ralph McQuarrie concept stormtroopers looked like, I wouldn't have remembered a hundred percent. But like just seeing the designs on screen, it's like, oh, they got those from Ralph McQuarrie, didn't they? Um, you know, there's just certain things where like even if you don't remember the design exactly, you can tell that's where they're taking the inspiration from. So it was a cool yeah. little nod, um, and like you said, just a cool way to bridge the gap and see like different phases of the stormtrooper armor, just like we did with clones.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Cool. Over on Instagram, uh, Evan Sauce, uh, Evan underscore sauce, said, uh, I think this was one of my favorite episodes so far. The animation was on point, and I really like seeing the concept art Stormtrooper as well as Gregor. Very excited to see what will happen between Hunter and Crosshair. Agreed. Agreed. Um, There's so many things right now for the next episode that I'm excited about and we don't know what it is. We like, we have no information. We don't have titles or anything, but uh, mm. yeah. Uh, uh, so it's hard to, you know, zero in on one thing, but yeah, that Hunter and crosshair stuff really want to see what happens there. Yeah. Um, it's getting late and I have had to stifle a couple of yawns. So let's wrap this up. Uh, Alexandrina, <laughs> ATK underscore ATK. Posted. I really enjoyed when the Batch were debating uh, going to look for Gregor, and Echo was like, Rex wouldn't ask unless it was urgent, and we trust Rex, so we should go. Echo fits in so well with the Bad Batch, and sometimes I forget that he wasn't always the half-droid member of the Bad Batch, but that he was our shiny Echo who became an ARC Trooper. Uh, the echo i've been watching on tv since i was 3 years old wow that is oh wow that makes me feel old it was nice to be reminded that beyond his relationship with the rest of the team rex was one of his best friends his brother but also a mentor and the whole episode was just beyond incredibly amazing definitely one of my favorites i uh, wow man that that definitely uh i uh, that dates me and makes me feel very old <laughs> because I was very much an adult uh, when I watched that episode. Uh, <laughs> very decidedly an adult. Um, wow. Uh, yeah. I, I All solid points. I, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there that I think that we already talked about the whole evolution from Shiny to Arc Trooper to Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Um, and Echo is just... <laughs> a big part of that but he's just a big part of the the clone wars in general
1: yeah no it's cool too because i always feel like in clone wars between echo and fives i always kind of felt like fives was like the more recognizable of the two but also kind of like the leader of just like the two of them when they were kind of doing their arc trooper thing together and so it's nice to see um just cool to see echo get to step up into the spotlight now. And he's got some just moments where he'll step up and kind of take charge of the squad where he reminds me of fives a lot. So that's cool to see just as a fan of clone wars yeah. and those characters.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, awesome. Well, Hey, that's it. Thank you guys for, for writing in. Thank you everybody for listening. Um, man, what an episode. So good. We went on some crazy tangents on this one,
1: but, uh, war <laughs> yeah. Mantle was so fantastic. And uh, all you ever wanted to know about acclimator landing gear.
0: (laughs) Oh, sorry guys. Uh, I got to go to bed. (laughs) I got to call it a night. Thank you guys for listening. I I, no idea what the next episode is titled. So uh, we will just see you. Well, I won't, but Kyle and Joe will see you guys on the next episode. Uh, Thanks for listening. Bye everybody. Looks like Bad Batch is blasting off again! Follow Rebel Cells on Twitter and Instagram at Rebel Cells and on Facebook at Rebel Cells Podcast. You can support the podcast in three ways. First, by going to the podcast service of your choice, leaving a rating and review to help others find the show. Second, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack and kicking in with your monthly pledge of support to get cool rewards like exclusive podcasts and more.